first of welcome episode 141 and well 141 episodes after we started 64 years after qualifying for the last world cup uh, an incredible evening it's podcast Peldrow. my name is, is russell and um the very great pleasure of hugh davis and uh, leon barton from his sick well sick bed was for the game is your sick couch today something like that uh sick chair sick chair sick, okay. sick chair at the desk yeah <laughs> like, for the game it was it was a sort of a, a swap between a sick bed and sick couch um watch much of the second half with my with my wife and son and they were they were very engaged as well uh it was fantastic yeah yeah it was a bit of a family family thing for me with my youngest alongside me. my eldest i'll say the hugest off air my he goes off with his mates now so which is kind of how it is when you get to 14 you don't want your, your old man cramping your style do you so uh, he goes off uh, with his mates to watch the game so um it's just me and my eight-year-old who just thinks this is the norm now but he's probably a 14 year old yeah. thinks it's the norm as well when was his first game like I mean... that's the thing um, well, if you remember, his uh, Andy King was his hero for a short while because oh, yeah. Andy, it was the first Wales goal he ever saw in that Finland friendly. 2015, 16? Something like that, yeah. Before 16. Yeah. Right. Time flies. Um, uh, and like I said, there's, a, there's a, I guess, an anniversary date for us and this coming up uh, in a bit as well. But, um, but no, Hugh, uh, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. I was in the, um, as I mentioned last time, kind of the, uh, the corner... Uh, almost behind uh, David Ewan and so got to saw the, see the red wall and also himself rather than being in it but um, uh, yeah the atmosphere is incredible before the game as well we kind of enjoyed the bit of the um, Spirit 58 stand and Canton uh, sorry uh, the Spirit 58 stage and the Canton stands what I meant so yeah just absolutely amazing atmosphere getting going I don't know the name of the band but um, playing all the kind of the Welsh hits knowing exactly what people want to do getting everyone crouching down and then jumping up for a bit of the Chris Gunter song it just really made everyone seem pumped i think i said this after the um austria game but it felt suddenly going to the game like we can't we can't lose it. it's not possible to lose after feeling this ready for a game even though obviously the island game would disprove that <laughs> but it, it just puts you on cloud nine ahead of the game so it's another thing that as you said before the fa wales faw have done really well yeah there was no doubt in my mind and uh, we touched on it in the last episode in the preview there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to get it right both I make it sound like it was inevitable. Actually, there's a fine balance they've had to strike there between being respectful and, and I guess, having a, a is somberness the right word? I don't know. With respect to Ukraine fans and what they're experiencing, but then also trying to be celebratory, trying to get us pumped and you know behind the team and energised, ready for the game, um, in, in the manner that you've described. I'm not. That's not necessarily an easy balance to strike, notwithstanding the fact that okay, Wales fans are all going to be you know largely in the Canton stand, and Ukrainian fans were going to be you know at the other end of the ground, and 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 and, and the, you know the, the the separation in that regard. But um, yeah, it probably wasn't as easy as as, as it. Uh, there's a danger we, we make it out to be. But again, I just think they 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 were pitch perfect with, yeah, with, with, with everything. Really you know the, the messaging over the over the tannoy. The messaging on the screens, and what he you know, all those sorts of bits. And then when the players went over to the, uh, well, and the staff went over to the the Welsh players and staff went over to the, the Ukrainian corner, again that just seemed to be right sort of on the money. You know, it wasn't it wasn't too much one way. It wasn't it couldn't be accused of being, you know, lacking in in uh, genuineness or whatever yeah. sincerity. Yeah, it just seemed to be again yeah, pitch pitch perfect. And um, yeah, all credit to them. Take my hat off to them. They they did a an immaculate job once again. How did it sound to you, Leon? In the build-up, I was listening to uh, Radio Wales um, in the afternoon, and uh, it was it was a sort of 
you know, music and phone-in show with uh, Ellery Sean, I think, um, who, she's oh, always carefully here, because she seems, like, really nice, <laughs> but she's, she's sometimes a bit much, but um, I found it just really entertaining. I thought she got the right tone. She was very funny and um the idea i had because um i was watching via Daz dazone uh in german it was that i was going to listen to the commentary on radio wales it was just like it was booming you know just like it, you could barely hear rob phillips and nathan blake you know over the top of the, the i just wanted to i wanted the crowd i wanted to hear it all but um it was it just wasn't synced up it was it was uh, like 5 seconds behind on the on the radio i think so um i had to just <coughs> turn the radio off and this it was quite it was quite quiet actually this, this the um the crowd noise for uh, i don't know why usually it's uh, it's pretty good with that da zone but um but it's still you know you got a sense of uh, just just uh, you know an an amazing atmosphere building and yeah i, I can't I, I i totally agree with you i think you know it seems from from where i was watching anyway that the, the faw got the tone exactly right yeah they did like i said i think you know credit credit where it's due um i'm on a whatsapp group with a you know completely unconnected to football and somebody posting that after you know then after sort of talking about how you know great a night it was just talking about uh, how quiet they felt it was and that nerves had crept in and i was like have you really been uh Part of the same game. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't come across that way to no. me at all in the stadium. I mean, uh, for uh, there's a couple of as the game ebbs and flows, you get moments. You get kind of five minutes of, of relative pause, but um, for the most part, yeah, I think the atmosphere managed to kind of stay up, stay high. I suppose it was nervy second half, perhaps, but um, I think the fans generally were. We we stayed loud throughout, which was good. And the Ukrainian fans actually were fantastic, also. I mean, I know it sounds very patronising, but the Ukraine fans are superb. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they made uh, they made a racket. Um, so uh, yeah, just an amazing, amazing night. And I know people have sort of said you know qualified for our second World Cup. There is an argument. I kind of put this out on the Twitter earlier that this is the first time we've kind of properly qualified outright by right, rather than had to rely on snobbish Belgian FAs and. Arab-Israeli conflicts mm. and all the rest of it, and that might be splitting hairs. It doesn't. It doesn't fundamentally change anything, and it's not for one moment meant to take away the achievements of the group of fifty-eight. Obviously, but yeah, this is just another kind of rung on that ladder that kind of I don't know. Dare I say, proper football countries take eventually. Some you know get around to it a little bit later than others. Mm. Let's not. Yeah, let's let's you know, lay it down. This is our first you know outright qualification for a World Cup ever. It was a bit. Sneaky through the back door in '58. We did great when we got to the tournament, um, and we did have to, you know, win a playoff. But it was against, you know, a, a newly formed nation who weren't who weren't very good at football, and we were just drawn out of a hat to to meet that yeah. <laughs> that nation. So this is, you know, we've had to we've had to get through a group with, you know, a tough group with uh, Belgium and, and and Czech Republic. We had to finish above the Czech Republic to get the sort of the easier. Draw and then we've had to play, you know, Austria. You know, just thumped Croatia three uh, 0 last night in uh, Ralph Ranick's first first game in charge there, mm. and and then um, and then a very very good and very very motivated Ukrainian team. So we've seriously earned earned this one. You, you kind of sometimes look at what it means. So effectively, it means that Wales are in the thirteen countries to have made it on the world stage from Europe. 
which can kind of sound like, well, that is what that puts you in the top quarter of all the countries in Europe is that so impressive. But when you look at the countries who qualify almost by default, I mean, that used to include Italy, but not anymore. But you've got 13 places to qualify. And again, notwithstanding Italy, it's effectively um, more than half of those are immediately snapped up. Kind of Belgium, England, France, Germany, Spain, and then Holland or Italy, really. That's that's six. Oh, Portugal, of course. So really, that's seven. So you, and now these days, Denmark are fantastic and Croatia are fantastic. So you're kind of looking at four available places for all of the rest of Europe, which does kind of, for me, drive home what an achievement it is it might not seem much to be like oh yeah we're the 13th best team in europe because obviously not long ago we were ranked in the top 10 of the world for a time but when you look at who you're up against and how many good teams or at least decent teams miss out it is an achievement to just to get through onto that stage for me the fact that the european champions couldn't qualify for this world cup is is you know as clear an indication as you like of just how hard it is we had a bit of fortune with the playoff draw. It's like there's no point trying to get away from that. Two home games. Um, Austria would have been one of the weaker sides in that. I mean, like we could have, you know, been drawing. Well, Portugal and Italy drew each other, for instance. But it also wasn't a gimme, and we did fantastically well to win those games. Even if um, the Ukraine match wasn't our best performance, but it was it was one of our better defensive performances. And as as you say, we're there very much on merit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So the back door we got there in '58. We've gone striding through the front door in 2022, albeit maybe the door staff let us left us in the queue for a bit, and then and then checked us up and down. <laughs> look, look really closely at our our footwear as well, but eventually that's <laughs> okay. Maybe we should get elephant out of the room in the sense that we we have to admit that there's some luck involved, and uh, even in. In terms of the the game, the ninety minutes or the ninety six minutes, I mean, they had a they had a Stonewall penalty. It went to VAR and still wasn't given. Hennessy I made felt that nine... was I, yeah, I felt yeah, that yeah. was Stonewall, and yeah, the uh, kind of friends I've been talking to about it were saying, "Ah, oh, it's fifty fifty, and really, the guy, <laughs> you know, he's going down already, and he's just he's just run into his foot." I mean, I, looking back at it, I think that's just a definite penalty, and we oh, got away with absolutely. it. Absolutely, got away with it, hundred percent, got away with it. I mean, um, I, I was. Um, on Twitter last night for hours, just soaking <laughs> it all up. And I think it was in reply to uh, something that Ellis James tweeted that uh, an, an English comedian said, uh, frankly, I don't know how Wales got away with that. And to which I replied, well, we um, we got away with that through some very good defending and outstanding goalkeeping, that's how. Mm. Uh, to which he tweeted a, uh, a picture of, you know, Alan... Um, tripping up uh, Yarmolenko, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, absolutely no dispute from me, no argument. That was a penalty. We got away with that. But do you want do you do you want the full list of the times we've been unlucky in trying to qualify for World Cups? Do you want that? To which he replied, yes. To which oh, no. <laughs> I got down to business and and told him about Joe Jordan in 1977. <laughs> the probably the worst refereeing decision of all time, worse than the hand of God. Um, I told him about 1982 and the lights going out and the Soviets and the Czechs playing out a 1-1 draw so that we miss out on goal difference. I told him about nine minutes to go against Scotland, the ball gets smashed against Dave Phillips' hand in 85, 86. in. I mean, 1990, look at that group. Four-team group. We're in with the Netherlands who are European champions. 
best Netherlands team of all time, and West Germany, who won the fucking competition. 2017, Bale's injured. Ireland go after Joe Allen, force him off after after half an hour. Dodgy Russians in the early 2000s? Well, that was that was Euros, so I, I left those alone. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah you don't. Yeah, you don't want to take oh. the piss. I don't want to be there yeah. all night. <laughs> so I, I did, you gave I, him a chance. Yeah, I gave him a chance. <laughs> to which he, I, I kept tweeting really boring stuff. So I, I think I just ended up blocking him in the end because it was it was doing my head in. That was me getting on my high horse and say basically saying we deserve a little bit of luck. You took the attack and then you fell into a low block. That's what you do. You, get, you take the the one nil. Also, I love the fact that you've just. You've just become the first person I've ever heard use the phrase, uh, let's get the elephant out of the room. Like, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no yeah, don't apologise. I think that's brilliant. I mean, if you're talking about the elephant in the room, really... Oh, yeah, well, it makes sense, actually. It does make it? sense yeah. that you want to get the elephant out of the room, but then how you do that is the real elephant in the room, I think, because you can't <laughs> do it easily. Take the roof off. And how, yeah, exactly. How did the elephant get in the room in the first place? Anyway, yeah. that's actually reminiscent of, of the guy that I ended up going toe-to-toe with today and just lost all kind of energy for it because he was basically Flynn-splaining... <laughs> Brian Flynn to you <laughs> and I just thought oh do you know what? some people just aren't aren't worth the effort and life is too short but anyway uh, I bumped into Ellis on the week walking to the ground actually so a little chat with him and uh, pleasure as ever and uh, joined by very very two drunken cardies on, on the way as well so um, yeah I bumped it I'm easy he gets to the ground actually <laughs> to be perfectly honest because he has to stop and shake hands and fist bump with with so many people um, but uh, well, there we I was talking about the Fred Keener statue, um, and uh, yeah, same thing. Just like trying to have a conversation, but just um, it bless him, he's really good about just having photos taken with absolutely everyone. But he was um, driving back after the game, which after when you and I kind of feel for him really because uh, the way his the way the career goes and everything, he's got to do so much work around it. But he is, as we all know, like a fan first and foremost. And I think he was watching the game. Well, presumably if he was driving, he was watching the game sober, and then with work immediately afterwards and the next day <laughs> but um i mean I, I imagine he doesn't give much of a toss i think he still enjoyed it no. a great deal has, has anyone heard the god guardian football weekly podcast yet no I've, from no today? i know you mentioned it earlier i've not had a chance yet oh, okay because i mean he, he uh, mentioned he had to leave early to go off and had to have some uh, dental work done so i think that might have been another reason why he had to get back to london but um there was no sort of real analysis from ellis so you can't really blame him it was just like this sort of you know gushing you know emotional sort of a monologue really <laughs> it just went off it's brilliant but you know well worth a listen he and you and roberts were a mess in the best possible way on feast of football just both of them kind of those yeah. huge long pauses where they both try and get their thoughts together it was good though i like it <laughs> but yeah. I, have, I have a lot of sympathy with that because it's yeah. hard it is hard to disassociate the importance of it and the sheer weight of history and all that kind of stuff and then also try to kind of, if, if you're so inclined, try to analyse them. Okay, well, why are they getting through us so quickly and, and so easily? Why are they, is it good defence or is it desperate scramble of defence? And a good defence doesn't need to scramble. Or be, you know, and then you kind of think, oh, fucking you know, shut up and just like enjoy it and just like soak it up, you know. And, and so I have a bit of sympathy if you're trying to have some sort of sober analysis of it. And at the same time, every kind of in instinct that you have is to, is to lose all 
notion of sobriety, whether that's through artificial stimulants or the the atmosphere or whatever else it is, that you just you just let yourself go. Because I I just think we've had you know further proof, further evidence for the prosecution that Ramsey in a two man <laughs> midfield does not work. Right? I don't know how many more times we need to see it. And whatever Page was doing, and assuming he's seen previous examples of that formation and that arrangement, whatever he has tried to do to uh, mitigate it, I'm not sure that that worked. And I think it was around about the somebody stepping out and then and then and then the wing backs kind of stepping kind of in, and depending whether the play was going left or right, but they moved the ball so efficiently. They had some wonderful little kind of around the corner passes. And we struggled to deal with it all, all all night. There's something I think there that is worthy of critique, but I'm not sure if I can be asked. Because, <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it'd just be a fucking downer, wouldn't yeah. it? Should we just leave it Who there? Who wants we, to listen to that? Should we just yeah. leave this podcast and you, say, we've qualified, it's brilliant. You could have the tactical, tactical amnesty where you basically say, you get a clock on it, like what, 60 seconds to break down what didn't go right and then let's get back into the really happy positive stuff. I'd just say, um, to go back to the Guardian Football Weekly, uh, when Ellis had to leave to, to go and do his dental surgery, they did get down to some analysis with uh, Jonathan Wilson and I can't remember who else, but um, another English, Englishman. Um, and they were, they were excellent. They, they analysed the game and said it, they really enjoyed the game. It was sort of blood and thunder and uh, obviously two highly, highly motivated teams playing in a like, febrile... Is that the word febrile? Atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and they just really enjoyed it as sort of neutrals and the, and the singing and, and you know, the, the, the Welsh defending was great. And then, and then sort of, you know, John from Wilson mentioned after, after praising Hennessy and Davis and Nico Williams that, you know, Ramsey was the big problem. <laughs> um, he just wasn't up to his usual standards. So um, it's, it's being seen elsewhere as well but I mean they didn't kind of they didn't sort of go into the analysis of him playing in a, in a midfield too which we've talked about a lot as being not ideal to say the least yeah what did you think guys <laughs> yeah Ramsey I thought was um quite, quite poor in the game but also um so I think Paige has done a magnificent job and does nearly everything right but the one uh, bone I have to pick with him is um, I think he needs to be more proactive with subs and I think it kind of seemed fairly clear from like half time that Ramsey was a candidate for the hook you keep him on because there's a possible ability of magic and he had that chance to start half time of course which he should have taken but then it kind of gets around to an hour and he's like we're not it's, it's not helping us that we've got this we we have options you've got Morel for instance um, and it's difficult when you are starting two absolute stars in Bale and Ramsey to to be brave enough to take them off, and he did do that with Bale on the thing. It's like eighty second minute, so he he that's the first time he's kind of really showed that because it felt like in the Austria game he didn't feel confident enough to do it because Bale and Ramsey there was a lot of talk about how match fit they were or weren't, and they I think one came off after eighty seven minutes and one after ninety one minutes or something, which isn't even a rest at all really, and so in this one him taking off Bale a little early showed that he's got a bit of confidence to do it, but I was it was extraordinary that Ramsey played the full kind of ninety five minutes if you like. And I think he does seem to want to use substitutions purely as a time-wasting tactic at the end. And I think he gets a lot of stuff right, but that's something that I would want him to look at because we have such good options on the bench now as well. I think there was a few times where Ramsey has tried something. There was a little couple of little dinks through to, to more and there was maybe a little pass out wide. And I don't know whether maybe it's a lack of, fit, lack of fitness or just a lack of little rhythm maybe. 
it was almost like there was a lack of precision. And actually, if those things come off, actually we're away, someone's cleaned through, whatever. If he, if, he, if he gets that goal, he didn't have a great first half. Does his performance change and improve as the complexion of the game changes if we go two up? And it's all ifs and buts, but I, you know, I don't think the criticism is, is, is unfair. But do you know what? The person who knows the best how average he played is himself and you know he's probably not going to shy away from that it'll be interesting how we use him and you know and Bale and a couple of the others for the remainder of this this month and the fixtures that we've got uh, you know the big games potentially the big opposition anyway I mean I don't know how how big they are in the great scheme of things but we you know Paige is probably going to want to immediately start looking at you know some options I guess so um, and they did put a shift in on, on, on Sunday obviously so I'd be surprised how many of them figure at all against the Netherlands you know, it's an interesting one if he is looking to put himself in the shop window because they got big. You know, we were saying this a bit earlier on the WhatsApp, weren't we? You know, there's big decisions to be made on the future for one or two of these, for whom it could be possibly the last, final, significant move of their of their careers. And that performance hasn't particularly helped. But then he's also having to sacrifice. We said this before. He's having to sacrifice a little bit of his at- his attacking instinct because he's having to play a bit more of a disciplined role. So he's also giving of himself to, to a certain degree as well. Probably worth worth pointing out. Well, do you remember in the preview we talked about, or maybe I just talked about, <laughs> about whether um, Wilson would come out for Morel and like, is it going to be more sensible yeah. to bring in a central midfielder for that attacking midfielder? And yeah, Wilson comes out and Kiefer Moore comes in. <laughs> like he's, There was a phrase of um, Barney Rone's write-up of the Austria semi-final, which he said basically like... Um, he, uh, he, in a win or bust game, he may as well try and win. He just played all of the, like he cashed, put in all of his chips. He picked all of the players, basically, all the kind of stars. And then somehow for this game, he's managed to find another forward in there as well. I couldn't, I was so surprised to see that Giefer was playing. And he had, he had an okay game, not one of his better ones, but um, it, it, we kind of, whether we got away with it or whether the defending was just good enough, with the whole question about whether that front, five if you like works is a question but I suppose it was encouraging on the plus side to see that we can keep a clean sheet with our backs to the wall because that hasn't always been the case and our three best players were probably I think everyone would say our three best players were Hennessy, Davis and Nico Williams but I think Colin Roberts had a fantastic game as well and Roden, to be honest just that entire defensive line really because Roden as well I think um, and that's you sort of expect it from Roden don't you though yeah I think I think from, from, you know, from, from my point of view with Nico it was great that he got a low move at the time, at the point of last season that he did, to a team that was absolutely flying. But there was that nagging doubt, well, actually, how much defensive pressure is he going to be under mm. for Fulham t- towards the end of last, or the second half of last season? And there were still some question marks about his his defensive uh, posi- you know, awareness, the positioning. I think he answered a lot of those last night. I thought he was excellent, but was great as an attacking threat, more in the first half than the second half. I think that's fair. But there were a couple of good balls he played down on the wing. So, you know, it was more of like a, rather than this kind of thundering down the wing, it, it was more just, you know, placing these balls and, 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 you know, a couple with the outside of his right foot. And of course, don't forget, he's playing on the left, which isn't his natural position. And I know these days, a lot of wingbacks, fullbacks will will swap and, you know, more often than not, tend to be comfortable on both wings. And you know, Wes Byrne did it the other night, of course. It's still not his natural position or first, wouldn't be his preferred position, I don't, I don't imagine. Uh, and I thought he was. I thought he was really, really good defensively. And I'm glad you pointed Connor out because I actually thought Connor was, was was one of my picks as well. I'd probably pick him ahead of a couple of the other defenders actually that other people have uh, have, have cited. Connor's another one that, as you said with Roden, you just kind of expect it. You know, you're never really going to get a bad performance from him. Um, with uh, Nico, something I wanted to mention is I think he's so good at getting us from back to front. Like, um, and actually, we saw that with the Ramsey chance. 
like that came from him Nico winning the ball, beating a player, and then um, finding I think it was it was it James, Bale. Chan-Chan. Oh no, James, yeah, who no, found James, Moore, yeah. and then Moore found yeah. Ramsey. And that came from, yeah, Nico winning the ball 20 yards out, essentially. And whether it's that pass or whether it's dribbling or cutting inside or switching play, he's very good at kind of helping us transition from being in defence to actually getting a a good counter-attacking chance as opposed to just getting our lines cleared. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was excellent. That would have been a fantastic goal. It should have been, you know, because uh, the the run from James was really good and then he just put the right weight and angle on the ball to Moore and then Moore found the right pass to to Ramsey. Uh, It just, you know, Ramsey had to hit it straight, basically, hit it square. He's trying to kind of slide it into the the corner a bit too much. But um, it's such a Ramsey goal as well, that. That's that's, the average Ramsey goal normally. Yeah, arriving in the box to yeah put 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 it away after it gets squared. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it just showed that he's not he's not quite at it, and I just really hope something happens in regard to his club career that means he gets three months of of semi regular football ahead of the World Cup at least, um, because that will be a big asset for us, obviously. But to go back to Nico, yeah, I, I, defensively it is possibly his best game for Wales because um, we've talked about his attack you know attacking wise how good he is we all know that but uh, yeah. just looking at his looking at stats um, I haven't got them right here but uh, it was something like you know he won seven out of eight tackles or something like that you know the defensive stats were, were excellent just a very very special player I think he was superb um, but yeah Connor was as well and Connor, Connor and Roden yeah you can sort of expect that Davis, considering his excellent form for Spurs since Conte came in, you sort of ex- to some degree expect that as well. But then there's, there's a thing with Davis, maybe like he's kind of stepped up in a sort of leadership role of late, especially since um, you know the likes of well, we're going back a bit now, but like Ashley Williams hasn't been on the scene, and obviously he's the he's the the senior man at the back, you know, with alongside Roden, Ampadu, you know, Nico, Connor, Roberts is quite a young young back five and he's the he's the man with the experience and that was just that was a very very special defensive performance from Ben Davis. But even the players who step in are either young or inexperienced you know Mepham, Lockyer, Lawrence you know they're, they're, those are our go-to well that, that's basically our defensive options isn't it and Kabango. He, he's so he's well Kabango, yeah well again again another youngster <laughs> again not many caps but yeah there's there's not a, a huge amount of experience there. I mean, for all the caps that Ampadu's got, obviously, you know, he's still very, very young. And he's just that calming influence and that organising influence. Um, been there, done it, qualified for, for these tournaments previously. It's He's such an important player. And I know we've always, always sort of said in the past, he's he's a solid seven, seven and a half out of ten every game. You, you never get a six. You might not always get an eight or an eight and a half. I think he's, he had a slow start to this season, but I think since he I think this last couple of games he's played for us in really crunch games. I think he's been phenomenal. Well, that was as close to a ten as you know, yeah, I, I, in I, defensive I performance as as you'd ever see. I think you know, I can't think that he really did anything wrong. Yeah, kind of both stepping up to win the ball, kind of going forward, and also doing the last ditch blocks as well, which we kind of make more of than you'd like. Uh, but he was doing that and kind of stopped their one of their best chances through that, and also stepping out to win the ball. He was. Good going backwards and forwards, <laughs> and sometimes side yeah. to side. 
So you mentioned in dispatches, um, we have to talk about Wayne Hennessy as well, because cards on the table, I was surprised at that call that he started. Obviously, both him and Ward got game time against Poland, um, and I wasn't too sure whether that was... I don't know. Which is that keeping people, yeah, keeping them ticking over? Is it? Is it? I don't know. Was it an audition? Or I, I don't know what the rationale is. I'd love to know what the thinking is behind why one has been picked over the other recently. Wasn't a hundred percent sure about it, but my God, was that a performance? Mm. And that goes down. I think as one of the all-time great individual performances I've, I've ever seen by a Wales player. And for all of the raving that Courtois' performance got the other week, um, which was a very good performance. There were some regular, there were lots of saves, but there were some regulation saves. Hennessy's pulled off some there that defy belief. The one with his There's left one. hand, and also the one with his feet. Oof. Yeah, the one with his left hand is a fantastic save. The other, I think, um, there's also a couple where he's charged down the attacker quite quickly, which isn't something we always associate with him. Yeah, um, he did have a great game. I was surprised by the call as well. I didn't really get it. In fact, I think again, I think I said in the preview, like it's it's Ward is the seemingly number one now, but I was wrong on that on that front. Um, it's interesting to see what happens next now, of course, because it's hard to kind of drop Hennessy after that. But you feel that he can't keep just rotating them. And it's certainly we'd need to know by the World Cup. We've got five games before then, so I guess that will give us a better clue. But um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, like I just that performance just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, really. The shot volume sounds good, like nine shots, I think, six, five or six outside of the box. But there's some just fantastic saves in there. It was the handling in the conditions which really impressed me as well. Yeah, he was sort of, he didn't look like it was going to be an easy game for a goalkeeper in the rain, lashing rain, slippy ball. Um, but his handling seemed really, really confident, and his confidence just sort of spread a bit, you know. And and it's just like one of those where you think, ah, he's having one a bit like Courtois in the Champions League final. It's like, okay, he's having one of those games, isn't he? The keeper is having one of those games where he's just not going to be beaten. Which is fantastic. I can't remember seeing a, a, a that type of performance from a Wales keeper as good as Hennessy and Ward have been for a while. I'm surprised by the call as well, but you know uh, how Hennessy repaid Page's faith. Yeah, yeah. There's a really interesting article on Nation Cymru today by let me find the name Luke James, and it's basically just rounding up what different continental papers have said about the game. And um, there's a great phrase, and maybe this is a, like an idiom in, in Italian, I don't know. Um, it's Gazzetta dello Sport, and it says that uh, because of Hennessy's performance, qualification was won by the fingernails um, of the goalkeeper, uh, which I think is a great, a great phrase. But I think you're right, it, considering the, the conditions, there weren't, there was a couple he had to really scramble around the post. I don't think there was anything on his part. You know, he was just getting, doing what he could to get the ball. The ball didn't squirm out of his reach or his grasp at all when he was going down low for it, when there was a couple of balls being fizzed up high and he was taking balls above his head, crosses. Incredibly composed performance. Brilliant. And again, after very little football. Yeah, Same yeah, as yeah. Well, very little football at Burnley. That, yeah, well, but that's been the case for ages. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because I, I think I might have mentioned on the WhatsApp earlier, obviously... We need Bale and uh, Ramsey and uh, Allen, probably Roden as well, to really kind of sort out club situations ahead of the World Cup. You know, there's going to be three months between mid-August and mid-November for those guys to play some... uh, Nico Williams, yeah, yeah. Those guys are going to get some games to to, to be really sort of at it when the tournament comes around. But, I mean, I just wonder with our goalkeepers... Does it matter? It doesn't seem to. You know, they just they don't play club football and they sort of 
generally turn up and do the business for us. Um, and it's similar to what Gaz said about I don't know, three years ago with respect to Joe Allen. Look, we need to get over the fact he's joined Stoke. He's not going to be leaving Stoke anytime soon, but he keeps turning up for Wales. And actually, that's all that matters, really. You know, so there's maybe this chauvinism that we would like our best players or the players that we're incredibly fond of to be playing at these more kind of in inverted commas elite clubs, but actually, if it means you know if he if he's just turning up and putting in the performances, or if Ward is doing it, or if Hennessy's doing it, and it means their second, third choice, fourth choice, whatever it is, then 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 so be it. I guess it's a question of well, how much better could they be if they were playing regularly? And I think it's interesting in in Hennessy's case. I can't imagine. I'll, I'll defer to your better sort of judgment and, and, and reading of the of the championship in English football, Hugh, but I would imagine Burnley will probably struggle to hold on to Nick to Nick Pope. Yeah, so does Hennessy so. suddenly find himself perhaps a little bit more likely to be playing games between now and the World Cup in the championship? I imagine they'll look for another keeper if, if Pope goes. Cause they've got Hennessy and Peacock Farrell. Well, Hennessy will be out of contract, I think. Um, so they'll probably keep one of those as the backup. I, I wouldn't be confident of Hennessy being the number one next year anyway. But... It's a question then of when he, whether he tries to get a move to be a number one of the championship. Because I think there's championship clubs that might want that. Or whether he's going to do the backup role somewhere again. Because essentially he joined Burnley as almost a third choice when he actually mm. went. It's, 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 I mean, it seems like every summer it's, it's such a big summer for so many players. Because Connor Roberts is also going to have the question of whether where he goes. Because he's been relegated kind of not really through any fault of his own. Because he's been he was superb for Burnley. And you've got um, Johnny Williams. I know it's a lesson important player for us but he signed a new contract to Swindon then the manager left and so suddenly he's now possibly going somewhere and he's better than League 2 as we all as we all know so there's a lot of question marks over a lot of players about where they're going to go and what they're going to do and I think the World Cup's going to really focus the mind of some of them in that regard isn't it I just want to see for a couple of weeks at least just like these ridiculous connections do you remember like <laughs> you know I want, I want to see Johnny Williams linked after his goal in Poland to like Legia Warsaw Gornick Zabra or something like that, you know, or just well, like these Russ, extravagant moves. What do you think about the rumour that Cardiff are not just looking at Bale, but they're looking to bring in Ramsey, Ramsey as, well, as well on a, on a double sweep? I mean, that is, that's, is that ridiculous enough for you? Yes, that is that is pretty yeah. ridiculous. Um, I can see the I can see the the logic behind Bale going for a few months to keep himself fresh and ticking over. I'd be amazed if Ramsey goes, but. I mean, I'd say stranger things have happened. I'm not quite sure they have. But, <laughs> I mean, Cardiff, Cardiff brought John Charles back from Italy, I guess. But um, no, I'd, I'd be amazed if they if they could pull off the, the the two of those. I don't think financially they could, given that like they're cutting costs everywhere and the average wage there is about ten grand or something. I mean, Bale would be taking about a five thousand percent pay cut already. That might happen for other reasons because he doesn't. He knows he doesn't need the money. He's got business interests here, and he just wants to kind of enjoy himself now which I quite like but I don't think Ramsey's going to do it I think as well I mean I guess there is that connection you know Ramsey has obviously played for the club previously um, so there's an attachment there I suppose I think an interesting angle one I had I don't think I've seen at all and it kind of comes back to the chat Hugh that you and I had with uh, with with Ben James from the view from the view from the Ninian well okay great those two players signed for Cardiff let's 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 go with that what does that do or what does that mean for Ruben Colwell what does that mean for Isaac Davis, for these young, clutchy young players that for, for a lot of years, both you know a lot of Cardiff fans, as Ben pointed out, and a lot of others vicariously wanting Cardiff to, to bring through Welsh talent. What does that do for them? We've waited for so long and suddenly bring these two players. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm not saying it's a bad move necessarily for them. And, you know, it would be great for Colville just to be spending every week, every training session playing alongside Bale, not just a, 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 in the international windows, for sure. But I think there's an interesting dimension there that I haven't seen really touched on. Yeah, I mean, I mean I just, considering that they're supposed to be cutting costs, it just, just seems utterly ridiculous to be bringing on, bringing these players who've been used to earning half a million quid uh, no, was it, but Ramsey's supposedly on 400,000 a week and Bale on 600,000 the 400,000 is, is I've been told is way off but it's okay. still yeah it's still like I don't know like 200,000 or something and again like Cardiff would, are paying most people about 10 at the moment they're trying to like cut the costs like if they're letting go of Will Vaults because they can't afford him <laughs> the idea of like bringing in Ramsey is quite fun or, I mean, I mean, could it? I mean, the, the, obviously they would both have to take massive, you know, pay cuts from what they're used to, and you know, it's possible because they they don't need the money and might appreciate being back home amongst people who love them. Um, but I, yeah, I just wonder if, like, you know, maybe they would, because Tan is kind of obsessed with just being in the Premier League, isn't he? Um, maybe they, he would sort of decide, oh, okay. We'll we'll have a sort of last throw of the dice here to sort of get Cardiff back in the Premier League, and I'll you know I'll I'll splash splash out and we'll we'll risk it and get these two Welsh iconic footballers in for a season to get us into the Premier League to to to, to make some money by being up in the top flight. I don't I don't know you know just sort of speculating. Go back to the um, Ukraine game because um, when you mentioned something about Ben Davis earlier and um, being the kind of and with the cool head or the experienced head there, I, I was um, trying to, I was racking my brains to see if he was one of the people who kind of tried to calm our players down after Alan's early booking, kind of a couple, what, two, not even two minutes in, because mm-hmm. um, at the time, I wasn't sure, kind of in the stadium, who got booked for mouthing off, and it was Dan James, yeah. which was incredibly yeah. stupid when you think about it, because Dan James is a player who kind of treads a fine line anyway, partly with his own tackling, like he was suspended for the last three games of the league season with Leeds for a bad tackle, but also because he um, can kind of, he's a potential booking risk for diving rightly or wrongly. Like he can, you know, it can be called yeah. right or wrong. Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. And and he actually got a little bit lucky perhaps later not to do that. But if you look at what he got booked for, it wasn't a kind of subtle, but he basically has gone up to the ref, said something, and then in his face screamed, fuck off as loud as humanly possible less than two minutes into a game i mean i don't think any ref sends a player off for that because they know it's a yellow card but if you think there isn't someone calming them down there that could have really gone off the rails very quickly and they did score from a quickly taken free kick after only for the ref to kind of rightly bring it back and say no no one's ready that's not okay but not saying we got away with one there but that was that's something we're gonna have to try and crack down a little bit because we do pick up quite a few cards quite a few red cards Sometimes harshly, sometimes rightly. Alan's yellow haunted me for the first half, and then I sort of forgot about it. And he was great. I thought maybe a little bit off off the pace, uh, off the pace, or maybe I don't know frustration that he hadn't quite read read that play or something. But anyway, yeah, I, I when he goes into the book immediately, thinking Christ, yeah, he had a great game after that. Composed himself, um, and didn't go missing. You know, there were a couple of times when he did go for the ball. It was quite a crowded midfield on on occasions. Very often we were leaving them have the in that second half in particular we were leaving them have the flanks because they'd come through us quite easily. There were a load of those balls just being put put around the corner, so we were almost giving them the the wide players. When they brought on the is it the fourteen? I forget his name now. The the wide player who came down the left. You know he he often took the ball in a lot of space. 
Um, so yeah, and when it gets that that busy, you get that gets that compact. All it takes is just to be a split second off, and and he's in the book. He's in the book again by a very very tactile, touchy feely referee. And that's and then you look at the penalty shout as well. Like if that's mm. given by VAR, do they also give a booking, and then suddenly are we not only conceding an equaliser, but down to ten men? Like it's very fine lines, but oh, I don't think it was any way it was a booking because it was it was obviously he was trying to kick the ball, but um, yeah, but yeah, uh, not an incredibly harsh, yeah, but definite penalty, yeah, for sure. I don't any idea why VAR didn't give that because I I don't really kind of I don't bloody know anymore. I, um, the um, Champions League final was farcical for that as well. Not the Champions League final, sorry. The um, hang on, which game? It was League One. No, the Championship final. God, yeah. get your clubs together. Huddersfield and not in the Champions League. Um, yeah, there was some just <laughs> yet, some, yet. Yeah, Saw was going to get them there. Yeah, there were just some ludicrous <laughs> decisions with the overturning and not overturning there as well. I mean, I'm not going to complain about it too much because I think if VAR has decided it's more of a clear and obvious error, then yeah, we concede a penalty there. But I can only assume they've decided the refs had good enough view of it. It's not completely slam dunk penalty, although I would argue it probably is, and that's why, and that's why it's not been overturned. Like I said, it feels churlish to kind of start digging players out and uh, overly critiquing play and little bits of play when it was a, a case of just get the job done. If it's backs to the wall, you take it. You know, we'd have taken one nil backs to the wall before before the game. That's how it turned out. Like you said, we probably deserved our luck. We rode our luck, but we deserved it. And so, yeah, maybe just uh, just celebrate and cherish the and cherish the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, you know the Romania game in '93. Um, uh, you know, technically they were better than us. I think technically Ukraine were better than us and uh, create more chances. But we could, you know, if the penalty goes in from Bodin, we could well have won that game through spirit, determination, guts. The crowd getting involved, creating this atmosphere, you know, being the, the cliche 12th man, but, you know, it, it makes a difference for sure. And we, It was so huge that we got these uh, these games at home, absolutely mm. amazing, and to, to, to qualify for a World Cup at home, just, uh, you know, just a really, really special occasion. And good teams find ways of winning ugly. And that's the, that's the cliche, isn't it? Um, and we didn't manage it against Ireland four years ago. Um, so maybe there's been... Is evolution the right word? I don't know. There's certainly been an, an, an improvement, whether that's a coaching one, whether it's a mentality thing, whether it's maybe us as, as fans, who knows? But we didn't know how to win ugly on that occasion for that World Cup. And we have this time. And, um, and, and you know, and I've long said it, and I've said it before on this, on this podcast, is Ireland qualified for the 88 European Championships, they then qualified for Italia 90. Okay, they missed out on the next Euros, but then they got to 94, and then they got to a couple of playoffs. They turned a first qualification into lots and lots of subsequent ones and and you know, grew the game, grew the player base, etc. We're on the start of that journey, but getting to World Cup is a really crucial bit, I think, of that journey. And I don't know, there'll be a few of us say, and I've heard reference to it already on, on social media today, oh, just just great being there, you know, even if we lose all the games, no, I'm sorry. If we're going to get there, we said that, you know, we did say it, but partly that was almost a, a way of trying to, I don't know, maybe deflect, get the pressure away from us or what, I don't know. But we were sort of saying, oh, I just want to see a goal in the Euros. Well, yeah, we saw one, 
fairly early on in the Euros, so then you want to win. Yeah, then we've got to win. And then, well, then you want to get out of the group. And, and we have this proud record of, okay, maybe not qualifying a lot, but when we do, we do get out of the group. So, yeah, I want to keep that record up. So, yeah, none, none of this, are, you know, let's, let's just be happy to be there. We're playing three incredibly populous countries. Our profile, all the soft diplomacy, which we can return to on another time, is hitherto unknown for little old us. And again, not like I said at the start, not to take away anything from the, 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 the legends of 58. A World Cup then and a World Cup now are just like galaxies apart. Galaxies apart. Um, there's no one at Swansea Station asking Mr. Davis or Mr. Allen. Been anywhere nice on their holidays later yeah, this, when, later this when, year. Well, our only previous World Cup win was the the game against Hungary, which was sort of a, like a playoff to reach the mm, quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was because it was hastily arranged because of us and Hungary having even points. There were only two thousand people in the stadium watching. You know, it's like a conference attendance. There's going to be an actual fountain, yeah. <laughs> so possibly. For all the truly, truly shit things about FIFA deciding that. Qatar is going to hold the World Cup. I think sort of pre-Christmas tournament for people back home watching in Wales and for the, the pubs in, and clubs in Wales, it's that's going to be fantastic as a sort of watching on TV spectator yeah. thing, at least, you know. Um, We've got two evening games as well in the group stage. Yeah, one yeah, that's 10 great. o'clock and yeah. the others at the evening. Yeah. yeah, something to look forward to as the sort of nights really draw in and, and you know, winter comes and the weather's shit and... and uh, yeah, it's like uh, we've got a World Cup to, to watch Wales in. It's fantastic. We're doing wonders for the Welsh tourist board then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we've got months and months of, uh, of looking forward to it and bigging it up and pouring over it. So, um, yeah, just 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 amazing. Um, anything else to say? Malcolm Allen, just if you can see, see, see well, if you can, you can hear it clearly. Yeah. Um, I think it's still kind of echoing around, around the Cardiff City Stadium, but um, there's him, there's him kind of vocalising. It's a really great image of the S4C coverage of them being filmed. You've got Nick Parry being diligent and doing his job. You've got Malks just kind of, I don't know, is it, what is it, is it, is it wailing? Is it, is it yelling? I mean, I'm not, I'm really not sure what the, what the verb is. But he's just kind of vocalising this 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 massive euphoria, and and, and release of pressure and, and 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 pain and all the rest of it. And then Owen Tidder Jones is just sort of standing there with his like his hands on his head, and 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 he's just like as silent as as Malx is 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 verbal and vocal. It's a terrific image, and it kind of just sums it all up. That for different people, it's just a different response. Some people bound by me will go in, and I'm not in the canton, so it's quite a little bit more restrained and, and, and polite. I don't know, but there were there were lots and lots of tears around by me, including a lot of my own. But then there were people just like bouncing with joy. It was it was just like the sheer spectrum of emotion. Some people just standing there, motionless, kind of just wanting to take it all in. Amazingly, some people wanted to leave just after the final whistle, which I. I you know, I recognise people have got you know public transport, maybe to catch and all the rest of it. But wow, yeah, just just remarkable. So yeah, let's make the most of it, people. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, I just want to mention an um, article Darren Chetty, a very good writer, uh, uh, wrote for the Guardian today. It's fantastic. Um, he's uh, of mixed heritage, and he was talking about how. Um, it's really, you know, more than football. It's just, it was a real celebration of his sort of multi, 
multicultural and sort of bilingual Wales, which is going on through through our football team and and how we're sort of finding this sort of a sense of a newly confident identity in the twenty first century. It's a really good article. Go and have a look at that. Oh, I'll check that out. I've managed to managed to miss that. Um, he's um, in the Welsh. I've got the book here somewhere. I'm going to bugger up the title. Is it Welsh Plural, I think? And it's a collection of essays. His is yeah. uh, his is incredible. His is a really, really good write-up. Uh, and I wasn't aware of him before. So um, what you've just described there is entirely in keeping with um, with my only other kind of uh, contact uh, or, or, or um, you know engagement with his uh, with his writing. So yeah, well, yeah there's, there's, mean, been, there's been loads of great stuff of yeah. late. Actually, to be fair, you know it's, it's 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 brilliant to see. But the point you make around the you know the inclusiveness and the representation, diversity is a is an, an incredibly important one as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he 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 mentions in this article that he when he first started going to games in the early eighties. I think he, he grew up in Swansea. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, this inter-club rivalry thing going on. Fans were more interested in Cardiff and Swansea fans fighting against each other. There was there was a, you know, monkey chance for George Berry coming from Welsh fans, you know, just ridiculous racism like that. And, you know, just to, just to see this sort of multiracial, multicultural team singing Imohid on the pitch with Daphneth Ewan is uh, quite something. Yeah, quite a moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, well, well said. Well it's said. too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a good interview with uh, David Ewen in The Guardian as well from, I think, maybe Friday or Saturday, um, in which he talks about he was, um, he's tended to be more of a rugby man himself <laughs> over the years, um, and uh, which I thought was quite, uh, was quite interesting. Uh, and he just seemed to be full of emotion as well. And he's like, you know, fist, fist bumping Johnny Williams and stuff. It's, there is a, there is a kind of like a, an incongruity of it to it all, really, but long, long may it continue. I, I like incongruous. That's these last few years, I felt a bit incongruous. <laughs> Qualifications incongruous. And I don't precisely, it. precisely. Yeah, I mean, just maybe we could just go back to what we were saying before we sort of went on air, as it were. In that we started eight years ago, and uh, in that time, we've qualified for three tournaments, and the one we missed out on was the easiest group, really. Yeah, so the first episode Crazy. we ever did um, was, we think, well, we know we know what game it was. It was the Netherlands friendly, the pre-World Cup 2014 friendly. You, you dug the date out, didn't you, a moment ago? Uh, was it the 4th of June, you said? Yeah. We played there in James Chester's debut. That's that's how long ago it was. Danny Gabberdon's final cap, I think, or not? No, I think it was his it's final cap. Certainly one cap. of them, yeah, because he was yeah. um, clubless, um, but Coach Chester threw it, I think. George, well, yes, he no, he did. He was like a, it was like a, it was a vintage Danny Gabbard on performance. Uh, George Williams made his debut and looked like a world beater, like just slaloming between all these Dutch defenders. I think Paul Dummett made his debut. Um, yeah, that's that's how long ago it was. And 141 episodes later, as you say, three three qualifications, and yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. So yeah, eight years, <laughs> eight years in Done. the making. It's down to us. We should have started this podcast in 1992, <laughs> shouldn't we? Miss? Yeah, yes. Before podcasts existed. Yeah, yeah. You'd have only been about five then, though, Hugh. So. Yeah. What, 1992? Yeah. You'd, you'd have been in bed by now, the time we're recording this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to bed soon anyway, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, all comes, it all comes around again, it's doesn't it? It's full circle, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, any other shout outs before we wrap it up? Any any anything you've seen, anything you 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 shared with with long suffering fans, comrades, 
um, in person, any of the writing? Because there's been tons to try to take in today, well, over the weekend. Well, I could, I could give myself a plug and <laughs> say, yeah, check out the interview on Nation Cymru that I did with Ellis James uh, a couple of weeks back. I saw him in London the day after uh, that absolutely pathetic Wrexham performance at Wembley. Um, uh, yeah, and, and well, ostensibly I was, I was meeting Ellis to interview him for uh, another website, which is which was going to focus on his career uh, in regards to football. But as is usually the case when I see Ellis, we just sort of end up rambling on about how great it is being a being a Wales fan at the moment, and that took up like an hour of recording time. And I just thought, oh, this is all good stuff, but I don't think uh, this is what they're after for the interview. So maybe um, Nation Cymru might want to put it out. And uh, uh, if you know, if Ellis lets me, and he was fine with it, um, so that was just a, a rambling chat between us about um, how great this Wales team is and how great the fan culture is. Uh, you mentioned Wrexham. Um, kind of felt for Wrexham members of the Red Wall finally having something to cheer at the end of this season. Uh, promised a lot and ended up delivering yeah. nowhere near as much as it might have done. So this at least. And with the city of culture decision as well going against them, mm. then um, yeah, it was nice that they finally had something to something to cheer. I could see Mark Jones from across the way, uh, Mark Vaughan Jones, uh, people from South Sarah, and yeah, I saw him yeah. from across the way. And tough end of the season in in, in lots of ways. Mm. It's all right. We're going to sign Gareth Bale now, anyway. Rob Rob, Rob McElhenney, he tweeted it earlier. <laughs> so we'll be fine next season. I just I just I've just got visions of him <laughs> playing at Tamworth and and Solihull Moors or wherever, but. Wheelstone yeah. on a Tuesday night. Can he do it on a, on a wet Tuesday night in Wheelstone? That, I say strange things have happened. No, no, no <laughs> not, not, not than that, obviously. But they, those two have got the golden touch. So, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's, uh, there's probably an episode here to talk about, you know, futures, uh, what would be like in the transfer window with some of these players, and uh, maybe that's something we can return to. Netherlands in a couple of nights. Um, Belgium as well. So the games are coming thick, thick and fast. We've talked long enough. I, I spoke to Fez James from the Barry Horns earlier, and he said he he wouldn't care if we lost both games a hundred nil this week. Um, and I kind of see where he's coming from in that. I'm not sure I've just got the energy or the bandwidth in my head to think about well, what do we do for that game? Do we look at options? Do we change the keepers? Change formation? Do a let's just celebrate it and just um, get, yeah, absolutely. Gaz said it didn't he, in the last episode. Uh, Hugh, the 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 Belgian game in particular going to be bouncing so. Yeah, see you all down there. See you there. Well, not you, Leon, but in spirit, I'm sure. No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to see Brennan Johnson maybe score his first goal. That would be nice. In, in, in the next uh, couple of weeks. He deserves it now. Almost yeah, he deserves it. Yes, it was only when I watched it back that I realised he hit the post. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good save from uh, from the keeper, who, um, given that he, he took a little bit of a knock and he took pelters after the Scotland performance, um, I didn't think did too badly, actually. He made a good save from Bale as well, actually. We didn't really talk about Brennan Johnson, but he was he was an excellent cameo. What did he get? Fifteen minutes, maybe. Basically, the first 20. two things he did were hit the but post he, and create a fantastic chance. Really, he's exciting. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. What a what a what a player he's going to be. It's just one of those players. Just things happen when he's well, a bit like Bale in his early days, and you know, I I know how that immediately sounds. <laughs> Brennan Johnson, the new Bale, but it's that that sense that some players just make things happen. And he just seems to have that because if you actually tot up the number of minutes he's played in all of those, whatever it is, eight or nine caps, it's not a huge number of minutes there. But the impression he's made in them is um, is, is a lot more than a lot of players with maybe you know double his caps. So, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be good to see him finally get a get a start. Um, yep. But yeah, let's let's leave it there, gents. It's, it's getting late, and uh, uh, I know you're still not 100, percent Leon. So um, yeah, just enjoy it all. Wonderful, wonderful days. Amazing. 